Good morning. Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church in Martinsville, Virginia, this third Sunday of Advent. As we begin our time of worship, I would like to call your attention to the calendar for December, which is inside your bulletin. This week, we have our Seniors Unlimited gathering. The children from the preschool are going to sing. That is at noon this Wednesday. Saturday, we have our food bank and would love help. Um, and that is from 8.30 in the morning until usually we wrap up after, shortly after 11. Uh, on December 19th and on December 26th, we have one service at 11 o'clock. Next Sunday, we will be having our lessons and carols service, which I know is going to be glorious. And following that, we will be having a reception. So I hope that you will join us for both of those special times of worship and fellowship. We have our Blue Christmas service on December 21st. This is an important service, uh, a time for us to offer ministry and comfort to those who are grieving during this season. So please tell anyone that you can think of who would benefit from hearing these words of comfort and being able to uh, light candles and remember loved ones during this sacred season. Please tell them about this service. It will be on Tuesday night, the 21st at 6 o'clock. That is the day of the year when we have the shortest day and the longest night the day when we remember that Jesus said he was the light of the world and would illumine all things for us, light a path for us, even through the darkness of death. So please do share that with folks. And finally, remember that our services for Christmas Eve are at 5.30 and 9. We have moved the 11 p.m. service to 9 p.m. Both services will have Holy Communion, the first service will be family-friendly as well. And, oh, I heard the most wonderful thing this week. I heard children singing in the church. It was marvelous. And Jill has more to share with us about that now. Yes, thank you, Elizabeth. This past week, we began our children's uh, music ministry rehearsals again. So she's referring to the fun that we all had on Monday, right, Sally and Harris? We had a great time. We had 13 kids together, and it was terrific. So this is all in anticipation for next Sunday. As Elizabeth said, we are worshiping together at 11 p.m. Um, because Brass 5 from Roanoke will also be joining us. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> you can come at night if you want. <laughs> I certainly won't be here. At 11 a.m. next Sunday, the 19th of December. And Brass 5 will be with us from Roanoke, which will add so much sparkle to our service. But as well, not only will our adult choir be singing, but our cantabile choir will be singing. And as I had spoken to um, parents through email, I will be using members of our Sojourners Chorale to do the readings. Now that this service has been fleshed out, 
I will be in touch with you, um, parents of the kid, the middle schoolers that are in our Sojourners Corral, because I would want to use them next Sunday to be our readers for the service. Next Saturday, December the 18th, we will have rehearsal with Brass Five and with all of these groups here in our sanctuary. So parents, just know that I will be in touch with you this week to finalize that schedule so that we're not all here together just hanging out. I need to make sure that we use our time well. So I will be calling you in by groups for us to get that rehearsal done. And that will just make Sunday less frantic and more joyful for all of us. So um, I'll be in touch and look forward to worshiping with you next weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Will you please stand for the call to worship? Our call to worship this morning is responsive and is printed in your bulletins. Out of little Bethlehem comes one who is to rule Israel. He shall be great to the ends of the earth. Our spirits rejoice in God our Savior. God's mercy extends from generation to generation. Holy is God's name. Our opening hymn is O Little Town of Bethlehem, found in your hymnals on page 230.
be seated. Our opening prayer is also responsive. Let us pray. Merciful God, you come into our midst longing for communion with us, becoming one of us. You call us to prepare the way for your reign by bearing fruit worthy of repentance. You lift up a vision before us of a world that is shared and fair, where needs are met and no one is outcast. Baptize us fresh in your spirit as we pray. God, you are in our midst. Renew us in your love. Amen. Stacy and Simone Humphreys come this morning to light our Advent wreath. This morning we light three candles, including the pink candle, which is the third Sunday joy candle. Thank you very much. In the Gospel of Luke, John the Baptizer points to Jesus as the people filled with expectation, questioning whether John might be the Messiah. John answered them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Luke 3:15 through 16. If we follow Jesus Christ, we will get everything we hope for and more than we bargained for. We light our third candle to praise God, whose spirit comes to us with disturbing and wonderful blessings. Living Christ, give us faith to trust you, hope to follow you, and love to live for you. Amen. This morning, for our children's time, I wanted to talk about what is on our altar. Beside our altar, we have our beautiful poinsettias, and they're red and green, which is why we think of them as Christmas flowers. 
On our altar itself, we have purple pyramids. The cloths on the altar and the lectern and the pulpit are purple to signify uh, a season of repentance, but also a season when we, we remember Christ's royalty as the Son of God. We have our candles, which we have every Sunday, and I wanted to read to you why we have candles on the altar every Sunday, and why we have lights on our chrismon tree, and why we have our Moravian star lighted. If um, you were to look up the first chapter of John's Gospel, the fourth and fifth verse, you would find these verses. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We light candles to remember that no matter how dark things may look, no matter how tough things may get, Jesus is the light of the world and can lead us through that, just like somebody with a flashlight can lead us on a dark path, Jesus can lead us through anything that happens in our lives and even through the darkness of death. We have our Advent Nativity figures and um, so we have Mary and Joseph. We don't have Jesus yet because he hasn't been born yet. We have shepherds and angels and wise men. And I actually think we have both male and female angels. In the Bible, angels are always male, but in traditional paintings and, and in traditional stories, sometimes they're female. So we have both. But I wanted to talk this morning about Mary and Joseph especially, because Mary was a very young girl when she found out that she was going to have Jesus. And when God spoke to her through the angel, her response to that was that I am your servant, Lord. Joseph found out that he was going to be Jesus's earthly father in a dream. And we don't know what he said to that, but we know that when he woke up, he did what God called him to do. He did become Jesus's earthly father and loved Jesus and taught him what he knew. Now, the interesting thing is that both Mary and Joseph had very different plans for their lives. And yet, when God called on them to do something remarkable and special, they were somehow ready to shift from doing what they had planned to do to doing something altogether different. They both became available to God. They were both ready to do what God called them to do. That's important because this Advent season is about getting ready. And that's what it's about getting ready for. Becoming available to God no matter what God calls us to do. If you look at any of the people in our, in our story, none of the figures that are represented had something easy to do. The wise men traveled to see Jesus and it, it, we think it took them two years to get there. Um, when they are mentioned in scripture, it says that Jesus was not in a stable in a manger anymore. Jesus was in a house. So we know that some time has elapsed, but 
They had a very, very, very long journey, but they were ready. They had been looking forward to this moment, and when it came, they were ready to respond. So that is really a good lesson to us. We oftentimes communicate with God through prayer, and a lot of times we think of that as talking. We talk a lot when we pray, but just like any conversation, if we're the only one talking, it's not much of a conversation. So we have to talk, but we also have to listen. So this week, I would like to encourage you to set aside some time for prayer that is not talking. I know that we talk when we say grace. I know that we talk when we say prayers before bed. But I would love it if you would carve out just five minutes of every day. It might be after you watch your favorite TV show in the afternoon or after breakfast or on your ride home from school. But I'd like for you to just spend those five minutes listening to hear what God has to say to you. Because God calls us, every one of us, to use our gifts and has a special purpose for all of us. So that's what I would like to encourage you to do this week is set aside five minutes a day just for the other part of that conversation with God, the listening part. It may surprise you. Um, none of the figures in our nativity scene knew what was coming, but because they were listening, they were ready when God called. Thank you. As we prepare to receive God's holy word for us, let us pray. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us in the waiting, the watching, the hoping, the longing, the sorrow, the sighing, the rejoicing. Speak to us by your word in these Advent days and walk with us until the day of your coming. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson is found in the third chapter of Zephaniah, beginning with the 14th verse. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with, your, with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away from your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing as on the day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home, at the time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Our gospel lesson is found in the third chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the seventh verse. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and and we, what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Well, I've only seen the movie White Christmas one time. Made in 1954, it was the highest grossing film of that year. And of course, it is bookended by the famous song that gives the movie its title, White Christmas. It stars Danny Kaye, Bing Crosby, Rosemary Clooney, and Vera Ellen. For those of you who haven't seen it, it was a movie about two friends, played by Danny Kaye and Bing Crosby. And like most Americans of their generation, these two have lived through the Great Depression. And when the movie opens, we find them on an unnamed battlefield during the Second World War. And they are saying goodbye to their commanding officer, who is being replaced by a humorless and officious general. The movie fast-forwards through the end of the war by showing a succession of newspaper headlines. The two friends have become a well-known singing act and are on their way to eventually becoming successful Broadway producers. But it's also clear that there's something missing in each of their lives. They are running to and fro. They're putting on shows in Florida and Washington, D.C. and New York City. They are busy, but still, they seem to be running away or running in place. 
Now, the movie is a musical comedy, not a drama, so what's missing in their life is not something huge or dramatic. There's no quiet, looming tragedy that needs resolution. There's just this vague sense of displacement for two people accustomed to being displaced. They haven't settled down. Neither one of them is married yet. Furthermore, the father figure in this film, the commanding officer from their war days, is failing at the, the business venture into which he has invested his entire savings, his entire pension, a, a ski lodge in Pine Tree, Vermont. Now, this is an Advent movie, and what keeps them going, just as for Mary and Joseph and Others in the biblical narrative we read during this liturgical season, what keeps them going are their dreams because they have deep hopes for a better future. For Bing and Danny in the movie White Christmas, those dreams are symbolized by the idea of a white Christmas. That is, they possess the simple hope that things will be like they used to be at some dimly and probably incorrectly remembered time. They fall in love with Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen. They also manage to help out their old general by getting their war buddies together at the lodge for a big production number, all the while dreaming of this white Christmas. Then after they save the day and everything seems right with the world, snow begins to fall. Like many great films, it's corny and it's sweet, but we watch these movies. We watch them because I think they tell us about our own simple hopes for this season, for simplicity and family and friendship, for faith and for hope and for love. Over the course of this sermon series on Christmas at the movies, and in watching other movies not included in the sermon series, like Miracle on 34th Street, A Christmas Story, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and even Elf, it seems that the formula they hold in common is that there is a gathering, families or friends spending important, intimate time together. And then there's some sort of tension or conflict that threatens to ruin Christmas. The perfect gift is out of stock. There's no snow in Vermont. Self-worth is questioned. A Christmas Eve theft of all things Christmas. Will Santa's sleigh fly again? There are a number of imaginative conflicts out there, all threatening to ruin Christmas. And then, of course, there's the magical resolution the perfect gift is found, or the realization comes that there is no perfect gift, but that's okay. Or life is affirmed, or snow begins to fall, or the Christmas bonus comes through. But generally, of all movie plot development stages, the one that we find the most implausible is this magical resolution. But not at Christmas. We're generally unwilling and unable to accept magical resolution, except at Christmas. For some reason, then, it seems that we're able to suspend reality when it comes to Christmas movies just long enough to stomach the kitsch, 
the nostalgia with a side of giblet gravy, just long enough to last until this time next year. Gatherings, we understand those. Conflict, we get that too. Magical resolution, only at Christmas. And who decided that Christmas would be the season for magical resolution? It's the cynic in me that says it's the marketers. It's Macy's and their bold red star that says, buy here, I'm magical. Follow that star and you won't end up in the manger. You might end up at a manger, but it would be made by Yardrow and cost you some serious change. I mean, that's what the cynic in me says. But there's a dreamer in me too. And the dreamer in me says something altogether different. The dreamer in me says, well, that is what happens to us at this time of year when we focus ourselves on the simple story of a child born in the simplest of ways. When we focus on that, then we dare to imagine magical resolutions to life's biggest issues. And indeed, we dare to work for that resolution again. And we sing, not that we are dreaming of a white Christmas, but that the hopes and fears of all our years are met in thee tonight. Now, I suppose that there are a number of reasons that people are drawn to church services during Advent and Christmas. Some by nostalgia, some by habit, some because they are dragged here by their parents, others because they are dragged here by their children. But mostly, I think it is God who brings us together with a story that is so amazing and that speaks to us on so many levels that we want to hear it. We want to hear it again and again. We want to hear the fresh start. We do not want the cynic in us to have the last word. So what does the dreamer in you say? What does the faith in you say? Now, our Christmas narrative is a simple story with a plot line far simpler than any of the Christmas movies we've discussed this season. It is, it is a story as simple as a pilgrimage back home with a plot conflict that there is no logic, no lodging to be found, causing God to be born in a stable with a rough-hewn food bowl as a cradle. It's a simple story, but a glorious one, with a darkened night changed to a bright sky by angels, the entire heavenly host showing up to attend to God, not in heaven, but on earth. It is a world that could only imagine itself broken and wounded, and yet to that broken and wounded world comes the most perfect gift of God. Take that, cynical self. It's a simple story that may first draw us with some nostalgia, but it ends up filling an emptiness and longing that we hadn't before challenged. It is a simple story that may first draw us out of habit and then discover it as necessity, because there are things 
in us and in the world that are broken that we cannot fix, and we need a savior. It is a simple story that may first draw us into singing Silent Night, but then find that we can, in the midst of all the noise of the world, find good news to share. The simple story begins with the birth of a child, the sign of God's divine ambush for a world waiting for magical resolution, waiting for a Christmas revolution. So, people of God, drawn here for some reason during this holy season, do you trust that this narrative is taking root in your own life? Do you feel the stirring in your own heart, the magical resolution of God's amazing grace that comes to us embodied, comes to us incarnate? Do you find yourself beginning to dare to imagine a world where God calls us out of despair into light? You are here for a reason. And it's not to dream about Christmas movies. It's not to dream of, of a white Christmas. You are here because this story has power. That God comes to a broken and hurting world in the form of a baby through bread and wine, through fellowship. To hear that once again God comes to you in the city of Martinsville, in your hurting and broken world, and take that message and ponder it in your heart and fully believe that the Christ that surprised the world at his birth will surprise you and me anew. And I fully expect that if meditated on, if pondered on, if lived on, you will hear that good news again and again and be able to tell it again and again. Because the magical Christmas resolutions of Christmas movies are one thing, but our grace-filled God reaching out to us continually, day after day, to people who just can't get enough of his grace, that is the stuff that real miracles are made of. Thanks be to God. Amen. As forgiven and reconciled people, let us return thanks to God with our gifts of tithes and offerings. Will the ushers please come forward? Let us pray. Loving and eternal God, as we gather this day, we gather very aware of the headlines in the news, which are filled with accounts of the terrible tornadoes in Kentucky and Tennessee and Alabama, tornadoes which touched down and traveled for over 200 miles in one case, tornadoes which have taken dozens of lives, tornadoes which have destroyed towns. We pray for the people who have lost loved ones, and we pray for the people who have been displaced. We pray for all the relief workers, 
those going from Martinsville, those going from the Virginia Conference, those going from the United Methodist Committee on Relief. And we pray that in the rebuilding of structures, you may give them strength, but in the rebuilding of hope in people's hearts and lives, that you will offer to them your power. Grant that we may participate in helping those who need us through these offerings and through offering the gifts that you give to us with which to serve. For it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.
remain standing as together we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for gathering us today during this holy season of Advent, this time of preparation, this time when we not only prepare our hearts to be mangers, but during which we open our ears to hear, to hear what you might be calling us to do, just as you did Mary and Joseph, the shepherds and the wise men. We thank you for the gifts that you have given to us with which to serve you. We give you thanks for our music ministry. We give you thanks for the way that it speaks truth to us during this season of longing and waiting. We pray especially during this season for those who are grieving. We pray for the Kaiser and Snyder families following their loss of Kent Kaiser. We pray for Megan Mitchell and her family and the loss of her father. We pray for Marion Myers and the loss of her sister-in-law. We pray for J.C. Compton following his mother's death. We continue to pray for Jill and we pray for all those families who have been affected by the loss of a loved one with the tornadoes in the south. Lord, you fill our longing. You answer our, our grieving. You are as close to us as our own breath and nearest to us when we need you the most. And we are so grateful. Fill our hearts with thanksgiving so that alongside times of, of deep challenge, we may know that you are active and present and working in our lives. Help us as people and as a congregation to respond to the need of those who have been displaced by the tornadoes, those who have lost loved ones. Help us to support UMCOR in its ministries of rebuilding and thank you for all of the ways that you cause us to call us to be a beacon of hope in the Martinsville community and beyond. Thank you for everyone who organized the clothes closet yesterday and for all who staffed it, for all who came to receive of that ministry. We give you thanks. We give you thanks for all of our folks who 
so graciously staff our food bank each week. We give you thanks for those who will gather tomorrow to deliver 262 food bags to 11 schools in our area. You call us to be in ministry here in Martinsville and beyond, and we seek ever to be faithful to that call. For it is in Christ's name that we pray boldly, and now as he taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us stand and join in singing our closing hymn, Good Christian Friends Rejoice, found in your hymnals on page 224. now may you go forth in faith. May you go forth to listen to God's call for you. And may you, during this holy season of Advent, prepare yourselves that you may be ready to answer the call when it comes. Amen. Amen.